Have you ever taken the time to set a goal, but lost track and given up along the way? This week's guest on the Call to Courage podcast talks about his process for goal setting, as well as something he calls calibration, to make sure that your actions match up to the goals and intentions that you're setting so that you can get what you want. Welcome to the podcast for men who are ready to lead their most expansive and courageous lives. Thank you for joining us on this adventure where we'll be questioning old paradigms and architecting new ways to live, laugh, and love. I'm Gareth Pickering. And I'm Matt Dazi. We believe that your story could contain the key that unlocks someone else's healing. So we connect with humans from all walks of life as they share their journeys from chaos to courage. So if you're ready to experience the ease and flow that come from living an expansive and well-crafted life, you're in the right place. This is the Call to Courage podcast. Welcome to episode 17 of the Call to Courage podcast. It's great to have you along for the ride with us. The Call to Courage podcast is a creation by Fathers, Sons, Brothers, Father Sons Brothers is a men's community and global tribe of men who are committed to their personal development, to showing up fully for themselves and every part of their life, including their families, their businesses, and their relationships. If you want to understand how to better connect into this tribe, I've got three pieces of housekeeping that I'm going to share with you before we get into today's episode. The first piece of housekeeping is the King's Circle. The King's Circle is our bi-weekly men's circle. It's a donation-based circle and it is a circle that has no hierarchy. We sit together in a circle as men. We share what's alive with us. We create a safe space to be able to have unsafe conversations. And every single circle we have a theme and the upcoming theme for circle number seven is gonna be money where we'll be unpacking some of the stories that we have around money, as well as deep diving into some places where we may have money stories that are currently not serving us, as well as a framework that we've been using as inside our community for the last few years, which is called the 21 Abundance Blocks. These are standard stories that we've been handed by culture that sometimes hold us back. So if you're looking to connect with a tribe of brothers and sit in circle alongside us and have the opportunity to also unpack and evaluate your current money story. Make sure you check out the King's Circle. There'll be a link to the King's Circle in the show notes. The theme changes every single session, but the circle happens every second Thursday, and it would be an honor to have you inside the King's Circle. The second piece of housekeeping and another opportunity for you to be able to connect with us inside the Father, Sons, Brothers tribe is our platform which is called tribe and tribe is essentially where we hang out and have connected and communication as well as share some ideas specifically around a theme of leadership in men we are coming up with new paradigms and new ways to be able to live laugh and lead and the father sons brothers tribe is our community where we connect to one another as well as guests that have been on the podcast We share content in there. We share additional events, things like meditation, meetups, 
It's also a place to hold yourself accountable, as well as to learn what it means to become a new paradigm leader, and then access the tools and the training that you can actually use and practice inside the community to become an embodied leader. And many of us have got access to leadership books and manuals, but really that only gets you so far. The real act of leading is to have an embodied experience of being able to lead, and that's really what Tribe is about. The Father, Sons, Brothers Tribe is a premium community. It costs $17 per month, and since we're just launching this community, we are giving away free access to the first 100 members that join Tribe. So if you are interested in leveling up your leadership ability so that you can show up and lead for yourself, for your family, your community, and your business, check out Tribe. It's fatherssonsbrothers.com forward slash Tribe. And I'll also put a link to that in the show notes. The final piece of housekeeping I'd like to share with you is something called core scaffolding. This is our foundational men's work program that myself and Matt go through every single year. And it's something that we practically do for ourselves as a way to set up our own lives and get clear on where we're wanting to evolve in the coming year. It's also an opportunity for us to implement and test some of the tools that we've been using for the last six years and roll them out in a new way. As we develop, develop, as we develop, and evolve the tools and the work that we've been creating develop and evolve as well and these tools get simpler and easier and more refined the more we do them every single year we lead a group through this and we were sold out last year with eight men inside our circle and this year we have space for 18 men in total to go through this core scaffolding training with us but what we're going to be doing this year is we're going to take a slight variation on this foundational lifestyle design training which in addition to getting clear on the areas of your life that you want to level up we're going to have a specific focus on relationships both myself and matt are in deeply committed transformational partnerships matt's been married and is now a father to a one-year-old they've been together on a journey him and his partner for about the last three years Myself and my partner Araminta have been together for four years and have really navigated very successfully some of the depths and got rid of some of the old relating patterns and stories that have held me back in past relationships before. So while we're going to be doing core scaffolding as a base framework for training, we're also going to be taking the opportunity to dive into getting clear on four major elements around relating. And these four elements around relating are under this theme of clear. And they start with, number one, getting clear on what you want in a relationship. Number two, getting clear on what you don't want in a relationship. Number three is clearing your old stories. And number four is getting clear on who you need to be to show up as the partner that you want. So. If you are in a committed partnership already, but would like some tools and some communication frameworks that you can use to currently to support your current connection, or if you've just recently got out of a connection and are looking to find some ways to clear and let go of some of that emotional baggage and create space for something new and something powerful, 
or if you're in the space of wanting to call in partnership but you're feeling like you're stuck in some old relating patterns or not manifesting the partner that you want this training is going to be for you it kicks off on the 6th of march we've got space for 18 men and i'll put details for a discovery call in the show notes for this you can also get details for it at fatherssonsbrothers.com so with that housekeeping out of the way let's get into today's episode today i interviewed dane thomas dane is an entrepreneur an artist and a teacher whose work is focused on the healthy integration of the spiritual and material aspects of life he's the author of seven books the creator of various transformational practices and the founder of the ee academy which is a not so secret society for spiritual entrepreneurs who want to have significant worldly impact. Dane and I recorded this podcast initially uh, about a month ago and halfway through the conversation, his laptop completely died. And so rather than coming back and trying to stitch two conversations together, we decided that we would start again. And in this conversation, we touched on a range of really interesting topics. Dane speaks about his process for personal development with specific focus on goal setting and we unpack his idea or his theme of calibration where often we are not correctly calibrated with our actions to the goals that we want. When you're over calibrated you set goals that are almost impossible to reach and feel like a failure. Under calibration means that you are not setting goals high enough that you stretch yourself. We speak about 20-year plans and living as your future self We talk about the importance of having a coach. Dane talks about his role and his relationship with ISTA, the International School of Temple Arts. And we talk about the healing modality that he created, as well as how cancel culture has affected some of that. The final part of the interview was Dane interviewing me as a potential candidate to be a participant inside the Esoteric Entrepreneur Academy. And since we recorded that conversation, I have committed to the Esoteric Entrepreneur Academy and it's been really, really powerful. I've only been in there for a couple of days and completed the first two lessons, but I'm excited to share in future just how this container is gonna support me and the Father's Sons Brothers tribe and the community that we're creating so that we can bring this magic into the world. It's a super powerful conversation and I'm really excited to share it. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Dane Thomas. Hello and welcome to the Call to Courage podcast. I'm Gareth Pickering and I'm joined today by Dane Thomas. Hello, Dane. Hello. Good to see you. This is uh, the second take of this recording. I'm not sure what happened last time. Are you plugged in? I'm so plugged in. (laughs) <laughs> how are things going brother what's uh what's news from down under things things are going pretty good i um launched a new thing earlier this year uh called the esoteric entrepreneur academy we kicked that off pretty much on january 1st thereabouts and uh it's rocking and rolling it's basically somewhere between a mystery school and a business mastermind so people have been joining that and we've been delivering our first few teachings and rituals and so on and it's going real good it's taking a little bit of bandwidth to set up so that's my main main gig at the moment 
I'm shopping to buy a house. I might be buying a house very soon. And how's that um, going? Have you found something? I've found something pretty nice that I will be looking at tonight. So I've looked at a lot of houses, but the best prospect so far is um, I'll be visiting it this evening and checking it out. So sending good good juju towards that. And uh, beyond that, you know, just been been doing a fair bit of physical training, more focusing on strength training and that sort of stuff these last few weeks and trying to eat lots and, I don't know, have, have a good life. I'm, I'm really in a sort of foundations mode this year. I feel like I'm building building stronger foundations in, in every area of life and so far so good. Share how your physical training practice is going. That's been a dance for you. You have times when you're super good at it and times when you you feel like you're not with it, right? I yeah, we've spoken about that like, before. You know, I didn't I didn't grow up athletic. I grew up either a nerd or then later on a, you know, drug taking rebel. So my you know, my models of physical health were not I just wasn't I just didn't think it was cool. You know, I was, a, I was mm-hmm. either a sci fi fantasy nerd or later on musician and artist and it was just more about drinking and taking drugs and staying up late for you know for the first 20 years um (laughs) so when i I started actually has that changed it has somewhat changed it has somewhat changed um it really started for me when i i took myself through the spiral the, the healing process that i created in 2012 after i went through it it's like i had a different window of opportunity you know i sort of was able to look at my life and some of the areas that i was already skilled really sort of just skyrocket overnight but the other thing that happens when you clear up your baggage is areas that you kind of suck become a little more you you at least have the confidence to look at them you know so it's like oh geez that's kind of a I'm kind of a two out of 10 in this department. That's, that's not very good. Um, mm-hmm. So the journey since then has been, has been gradual and has been kind of on and off. But, you know, if I look at it from my 30s, there's still been an upward trend line of, you know, my 44-year-old self could, could kick my 34-year-old self's ass. So that's probably a good measure. Um, yeah, so more like I've been training Jiu-Jitsu on and off for years but this year I decided to sort of reset and just focus on strength and mobility and really I think what I'm doing, I did a lot of magical work last year around and, and the end of 2021 around kind of connecting to who I want to be in the next 20 years, you know, and I got a lot more clarity around that and one one aspect of that was just a, just a higher level around strength fitness body and so i feel what i'm doing is it's a bit different in that there's more meticulousness to it there's a more there's a lot more uh micro structure around all my goals this year actually like i just spent a lot of time over in december mapping out what had worked well in 2022 what had not sort of chose my top priorities and then really reverse engineered where I want to be by the end of the year. What does that look like quarter by quarter? What does that look like month by month? And then what does that look like week by week? And particularly for the areas where 
I, I wouldn't, I'm not masterful. I feel like I've learned a bit about how this body responds to training. Like I've come, I've come a ways, but for the, for some bits of it, I was just referencing with a couple of friends of mine who are strength trainers who have good results background in that area, not just for themselves, but for others and kind of got them to help me calibrate. Okay. Could I, sh- no, you could shoot for more here. Okay. We're shooting for more there. We're shooting for less here. Be realistic about this. You could, you could up that though, you know, just that kind of mentality, I think. So yeah, I'm going to the gym, you know, to a, to a normal person, it would not seem anything particularly crazy, but it's like gym three to four times a week, a little bit of body weight stuff at home, eating the first stage of my food. Food is one of my weakest areas where, or has been where I just fucking eat nothing or pig out on pizzas and kebabs and drink booze and whatever. So that's, I'm doing that in baby steps, which is basically for the first couple of months, just, just trying to hit protein goals. You know, it doesn't matter if there's a little bit of junk in there. It doesn't matter if it's just like, I just need to eat enough to feel what I'm trying to do. And then month by month we can sort of clean up. Okay. Let's not get it from that. Let's get it from this. But yeah, basically it, it, what it looks like and feels like to me is I took myself back to baby steps and already in month, I mean, it's February, right? I'm in month two and it's already like, I can see the build starting to happen. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit about how it looks. How does the food part look? Are you cooking for yourself? Have you got someone cooking for you? Like how does, how do you make that work for yourself? Very not, I don't cook for myself much. I basically, my, I was started when like, I'm going to do all these meal plans and all this stuff. And something in my brain was like, do not complicate this. No, you're not. We, 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 exactly. It's like, look, you, you, it's history. History has not been kind to these elaborate plans. So basically the first thing I did was just hack breakfast. So I used to get a bunch of like bacon and eggs on toast or whatever. I found a place down the road that does good coffee and they do like a nourish bowl and I get a fucking chicken breast and a couple of eggs with it. And it's like, it already stacks the day in the right direction. And then I noticed the next things I eat seem to follow that and then i also found where i live byron bay is quite good for local produce right there's a lot of little farms and little whatever <laughs> this is once this is hilarious that i'm sharing this this is one store they sell these like pre-cooked wrapped chicken breasts so every day i buy like two or three of those and so lunch is like a fucking 300 gram moroccan chicken breast by itself and you know a glass of water or whatever and it's like fuck, I've hit my macros already. I'm already there. And then dinner is a bit more, might have more carbs. Might, you know, it might be fucking chicken and rice or whatever or whatever. But basically, I just, my first hack was to find a few easy meals that, that are readily available that I can rinse and repeat. Um, and actually, this is, this is a hack that I've used in business as well a lot. I feel the empowerment in like taking the bar lower. You know, it's like a reverse, it's like, you know, so like I'm going to cook five meals for myself, but it's like, just assume, assume you suck. Assume your level of capability here is the minimal. What is the quickest, most reliable way to get this outcome? And it's like for the last month I've watched because I track my food in an app, which I, I like. I'm good at that part. I quite like shit like that, which I know some people hate. What are you using? What app is it? Uh, it's like my fitness pal. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's just that, you know, type in your food. It's got everything listed. And it's like, yeah, I, I enjoy, I actually enjoy that part 
because there's a little bit mm-hmm. of a nerdy aspect for me of like, oh, fuck, look, I ate 200 grams of protein today. Like I used to think it was not possible. I used to just not have the appetite. And then it's been interesting to watch it gradually shift into like, that feels like I ate a normal day of food, but compared to how I was eating across last year, it's like there's a lot more nutrient-dense food getting eaten, and that's that's the main, you know, stage one is just I just want to hit certain certain lifts, certain body weight practices that are all pretty basic, and it's and it's eating enough to fuel that pretty much, and I'm doing like, body scan i got a body scan at the beginning of the year you know like the, the whole percentage thing so i'll do that every month just got all my blood work and whatnot done so i'm looking forward to going through that with my naturopath so it's kind of a i kind of brought science to the table this year you know i brought a bit more science into and <laughs> meticulousness into my approach and i also made it i i track my goals like very um committedly and basically, I just decided to put body as number one this year and business as number two and everything else. Mm-hmm. Areas that I'm already really good, they can be like three, four, five, six, seven, because they're probably going to happen anyway. But the new things, you know, I'm doing new stuff in business, so I'm, I'm keeping a real close eye on that. The body and the business are like, that's the that's the plans for the year. That's the, and everything, and I watch myself when there's a lot of other stuff going on and it's like, nah, I haven't got time for that. This is what we're doing this week, you know? So I, I do feel like that approach is, works for me in other areas. So yeah, watch the space. I'm going to be jacked. <laughs> Cut. Um, I love what you spoke about there, which is something that I've uh, taught as well with regards to the process of manifesting as well as goal setting, which is, set something that you can believe that you can actually reach, like set a goal that you can reach and actually attain to prove and develop the belief that you are the person that reaches these goals. And I think 100%. a lot of our audience is men and they have this idea of like, okay, it's January the 1st. I'm going to go from nothing to a body weight bench press and just, yeah, it's just too much and, you know, burn out or feel like a failure when you don't reach it. So, yeah, I love how you unpack that. Is that a similar approach to what you do for, um, you said you use it in business as well? Yeah. I, you know, I coach basically spiritual people in business is my main main niche. And look, one thing I see with people, this is true of anything, but I guess I, I have some experience with the business thing over other areas. I think that our ability to calibrate what we're capable of is one of the areas where we where we fall down in areas where we're not yet masterful. You know, it's like in something that I'm really good at, I can make a pretty educated guess of an area that I'm going to stretch myself. I can make a pretty solid estimate of what I'm capable of and I can do it, you know? So I set the thing, I achieved the thing and my brain goes, cool, we did that. And then the next one I set a little bit further, do it again and it gets done. Yeah. When people are new at something, they tend to, it's like, yeah, I think of it, I call it calibration or is the language that I use. And I think of it like, it's like our brains haven't yet been trained how to estimate realistically. And that can go both ways. You know, I can that can work in being really shy of committing, you know, of really like, oh, I'm, I'm going to try to make $50,000 this year. I'm like, at least shoot for like 120 or something. Like if we're going to bother fucking getting out of bed, let's let's make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do seven figures this year. It's like have you have you even made two hundred grand? Why would you think 
and you don't come from an entrepreneurial background or business. Okay, so yeah, I don't want to discourage you, but let's just, it would be the equivalent of like, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to be hitting like, you know, I'm going to deadlift double my body weight. It's like, you're, you're new at the gym, right? Like, let's see. <laughs> yeah. Let's just find that assess- you mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's assess what you're even capable of. Have you come from an athletic background? Are you fat as fuck? Have you been sitting on your ass for the last 10 years? Like, what's where are you? So mm-hmm. one of the things I get people to do is just start to build maps of where they're heading, test things out, get and start to regard it all as data as well. And I think, you know, we we make a plan. We break it down to smaller pieces. We shoot for that first small piece, say the first month, and then we're going to get some data from the world of like, oh, that was that was nothing. I smashed that. Or, oh, that's not that easy. And it's like, okay. And rather than being like, oh, no, I can't do it. It's wrong. It's like, cool. What we got was data. You know, you set your goals twice as high as they should have been. Let's bring that down and see if you can hit in February. You see if you can hit that reduced goal and then build, you know. <coughs> and, and I think this is also a thing with team building, you know, like building plans that we know we're going to hit because I want everyone on my team to work towards one thing and I want us to get the feeling of we hit the fucking target. We hit the fucking target for quarter one. That's so exciting. That means we're probably going to do it again. Not this mm-hmm. thing that a lot of people do where, oh, we nearly hit it, but it's okay. Don't worry. And it just builds like a, a low level of trust in the group, in the group organism, because we're we're constantly fucking lying to ourselves, you know. So, but I think it's important to understand when you're when you're new in an area, you won't be well calibrated. It's like a little kid trying to like run and jump and whatever. Like they fuck shit up all the time. They fall over. They mm-hmm. knees, they they miscalculate how far they you know like. But after a while of having those bumps and scrapes, we embody a more realistic like ah. Oh, I could jump across that ditch or I could, you know, I could pull myself up there. I've done it before. So yeah, I think that's, and, and the discouraging thing. I think there's also this piece around like ego getting into our goals, you know, like um, whether it's money goals or whether it's strength goals or whether it's whatever, like there's this idea of like, I've got to become, you know, I'm going to start up meditating. So I'm going to meditate for one hour a day. I was explaining right. this to a friend. I'm like, okay, so you've never done that? That's the equivalent of like me wanting to become a, a champion CrossFit athlete this year. Like it's it's not impossible, but it's it's really at the fucking unlikely end of the scale. You're really setting your bar for like, you know, you don't you don't know how hard that is yet, but that's to do that right. every day for a year. I, I'm not saying you can't, but it's going to take a lot. And he's like, yeah, I tried it. It sucked. I'm like, cool let's get you doing 10 minutes meditation a day and you just mark it on your calendar. And if you miss one, Mm -hmm. well, next week we set the goal to improve the average of how many meditations you did a day. And then it just starts to be like a foundation of, wow, in January I had 22 10 minute meditations. It's like, great. What's your February goal? It just needs to be more than that. It just needs to be 28, 25, you know, and then, in March we could start going, you know, I can do 20 minute med- meditation sits. And then before you know it, this, we start to be creeping towards, Oh, you, you sit meditation properly each day for like half an hour every day. That's pretty cool. You built, you built a real habit. And yeah, I, 
I kind of loved the science of that shit, you know? Yeah, for me, it has also to do with the fact that when you sit consistently to meditate, you become a meditator, you know, yes. and you're starting yes. to be the person that meditates instead yes. of the one who's like, I'm going to be, you know, that ego-driven goal. You are starting to be the person that hits that target that is consistently checking in with the data points that you spoke about. So, yeah, it has to do with becoming the person that you yeah. that you want to be that leads towards the goal that you that you're going towards. Her. Yeah, November for me, I was in Bali and I was like, "We just, I'm just going to become a guy who goes to the gym. I don't even care what we are achieving in there. I don't care if we're fucking fucking around between sets and if we don't, you know." Like I, I was just. And then I come back and eat a bunch of good food. I'm like, I, I am a guy who goes to the gym. That's that's proven. You know, that's a actual reality. Like, yeah. You spoke about that future state of um, who Dane Thomas is going to be for the next 20 years. So what? Mm. Who, who is that? <sighs> so it's the same theme, right? Your future stating it is who it is that you want to become. Yeah. Well, the way the way this came through, you know. Quick story. During COVID 2021, we I live in Australia in the state of New South Wales. My parents live in the state of Queen, Queensland, where I grew up. And they closed the borders here, right? So we couldn't go visit people. And I remember getting – I hadn't really cared about the whole COVID thing. I basically ignored it for the first year. I was like, oh, I'll just work from home. I'll just make music. What who cares, you know? <laughs> um, when they closed the border, I was just like, fuck, okay, I'm trying not to get involved in this, but that pissed me off, you know? And I could see myself in a process. I wrote this song about it, and then I was like, all right, it's still, it's still moving through my system. And I was like, yeah, you're just thinking too small. Like, if you're worried about that, like, I didn't even really want to go see them this week or next week, so it's not even a real... In real terms, it's not even an issue for me. It's the idea that yes. I cannot do the thing is annoying, you know? Right. And I just sort of started to fuck with my frames and was like, look, that just showed me I'm not thinking in big enough terms right now, you know? Like, if, you know, if I had clear 20-year vision, I wouldn't be worried about what's going on for this year. It's highly unlikely that borders staying close for the rest of my life. It's probably a political thing. Politicians come and go, you know, like I, I want to be a being that operates on um, a much larger time scale than this mundane one year, two. Anyway, that led to me just going, cool, who am I going to be in 20 years? You know, I was not quite, I was 42, turning 43 around that time. And I just rounded it up to like, okay, 65 year old self. And it was this vision of like being a 65 year old dude, just smashing out endless pull ups living on beautiful properties all over the world, having my community of um, wealthy, entrepreneurial, embodied, creative, spiritual folks that are all doing kick-ass cool shit, you know? And it was just this, it all kind of came together, you know? It was like, okay, so this guy looks like that, moves like that, is surrounded by people like that, loves like this, is, you know, a big core of it was like, just standing so solid and feeling this core of like love. It wasn't about who am I loving, how, you know, what lover or partner. It was like, no, no, I am anchored in love and I have amazing people around me and I can travel the world and have multiple properties. That is my network and my body is capable of these things, which for a 65 year old is probably putting me in a pretty pretty unique slice you know in a, in a very high percentile of 
state of fitness. It's shit that I can't do now. So I'm wanting to be stronger now than I am at 20, you know, at 43. At 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. I, this, is, this is a very specific thing you're asking. Definitely can happen. And I started to work with this, not just as like goals on paper, but as like just a, a vision of this being of just like, and then, and then sadly gets to point where, like, Oh, he's talking to me. He's talking. He, he actually exists and he's talking to me back down the timeline, mm. um, which yeah. is much more than like, Oh, I've got a goal. I put a picture on my vision board. You know, it was like, no, no, this is, this is a version of me that exists. And I'm going to start talking, communing, closing my eyes and have him step into me, feel what he feels like, listen to his, internal self-talk feel this energetic of this like a good head there's a heaviness there that is a good heaviness it's like oh this guy is way more anchored than you he's fucking he's on fucking planet earth he's mystically connected but he's he's right fucking here and i was like okay i got this benchmark i got this and this energetic transmission where so i i did a course not long after that called Lightbringer, and i got all of us to to call through our 20 years ahead of self into the first ritual and start working with that and it was fucking amazing and people started having real you know like really visceral results so it, whereas my sort of three years five years there's a lot more metrics this is much more of an energetic it's not like there's a list of shit that i need to tick off in the next 20 years as such it's more like a visual and kinesthetic feeling. However, when I'm working with goals and planning, that that feeling definitely influences, you know, like why why is this year a year of foundations? Because it's like, well, I there's certain shit that need to be sorted out that I wasn't on track for that to be that guy. You know, it's like, eh. If you just rinse and repeat last year, that's not gonna. There's not gonna move us towards that in any tangible way. But if we were to add in these priorities, i.e., strength and body, these priorities, getting the business in a certain level of order, this house buying, that would be definitely the moves that would align with him. I also um took on a, a relationship coach this year who's who's awesome. You know, someone who's a friend of mine who I just respect her work in that area and that's been killer too and i just did it almost for fun you know i wasn't experiencing anything bad in that area but i was like there's room for evolution in turn particularly my relationship with self and and an unpack of how i relate um and now that we're a couple months into it i'm like oh this is also aligned with that that vision of that guy it's about how i love you know it's it's not so much about this person or that person outside of me it's about yeah how i relate how i love how i navigate my communication how i navigate my erotic connections how i re- navigate partnership etc and it feels like from the first session i was like fuck this is more key than i thought it was because this wasn't an issue that was you know suffering or so what were you, you yeah what here. were you noticing there what came up that made you think about that like um i know you've just been through like an interesting dance with your with your marriage um is that one yeah. of the themes or is it other stuff around that it kind of wasn't because you know the marriage my partnership with mia is in a, is in a really good place you know we came back together in australia and just felt um 
spent about eight weeks in and out of each other's space, staying in each other's houses and then being separate and coming back. And that sort of just recalibrated itself. And, you know, she's in Bali right now and heading probably towards Europe. She doesn't know she's out in the world just traveling. And that feels good. You know, that feels like um, very just centered in in love. Um, but basically in the unpacking of our, of our 2022, you know, I just, I just looked over, you know, we, we have always been open. So I looked at open as an open relating, right? Yeah. yeah. So we've, we've been, yeah. yeah, we've been open relating since, since day one and it's, and have a particularly independent like we we're completely free, pretty pretty much, you know, in the way we operate. Now that sometimes it looks like we live together and are a happy couple sharing everything in a house, and then sometimes it's like, okay, you're over there in the world. I love that for you, and it still feels really good. But we took we took a few, you know, the couple bubble, the relating, the whole the whole package took a few hits over the course of 2022, particularly with being locked in one place and you know just various other stuff and some of the ways that i navigated other relationships and other dynamics you know could have been better like we we've had a relatively awesome run of of um long-term open relating especially compared to a lot of other people but i got to see from when i looked at it from a distance we know where where um where avoidant patterns are playing out where addictive patterns this this is what led me to actually the coaching seeing addictive patterns around sexuality that were very subtle it's not like i'm jerking off the porn five times a day or i'm having interactions that aren't loving or that i'm not don't feel good about like i feel very good about the kind of interactions that i've had in my life however when I step back from it, I'm like, hmm, there's still in key moments, there still can be an outsourcing to others that creeps in, you know? And um, so a lot of the the first conversation in the relationship coaching, we, you know, classic stuff of going into like childhood patterns um, that I would rescue my mum as a kid, you know, like, and, and then I can sort of see how that's, that can tend towards a sort of leaky, energetic blueprint of like needing connection or being being emotionally yeah rescue us and it can that can plug in a lot of different ways so anyway basically i just i learned i realized it was time for an overhaul of my internal relating patterns and and i would say they were still like you know a five or six out of ten but they're not a ten out of ten you know they're not fucking they're not this guy who sits there emanating love, securely attached with himself in connection with people he cares about and feeling like this field of um, beautiful, grounded love. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying I want, right? So it's like, cool, let's, let's upgrade or examine anything that does not support that to be a reality. Share a little bit about your dance with Esther. You've been in for a while and then out for a bit, and now it seems like you're stepping back in. What are you? Where are you with regards to your relationship with that sort of mystery school? I know you talk about your work being a mystery school. How do you feel about Esther at the moment? 
I, I mean, I'm in the mystery with this stuff, which is often the case. So I, I feel a strong resonance with the work of ISTA and, and many elements of the culture of ISTA, you know, I, um, you know, I've done, I've done the fucking training. I've done like, I'm teaching, I'm co-facilitating, um, in May in Greece with, um, Janine Marie and Abra, who I love dearly, both of them. And I love being in Janine's trainings, particularly, uh, I mean, my 10th level one and ISTA, Hyden Temple and other offshoots of those things have been very influential on me over the last sort of six or seven years, particularly working with erotic energy, bringing eros into ritual, um, but also building a tribe of people all over the world that I really, really love, you know, like I probably wouldn't know you if if I haven't been in this step. There's a, there's a lot of that in my life. Like that, that web has really, um, connected me to a lot of amazing people. So I've always had that, that, that part never wavers, but my, how much I want to like, whether I want to teach or not is, is kind of changes for me at different points. And I think partly that's to do with my entrepreneurial journey. Like I, you know, I have, I've always had my own thing. So I had the Spiral Institute for nearly 10 years, you know, so we're running these fucking powerful trainings and, you know, 50 or 60 people come and it makes good money. It transforms a lot of lives. It was a very potent container. So that completed. Now I've launched the EE and that is, that is very much my primary priority. You know, like I, I feel that I love working with sexuality. I love working with shadow integration. They're, they're very core parts of me and who I am. But my particular area of focus is about power, leadership, money, particularly in spiritual scenes, which I think are fucking hopeless with those things. You know, they're just, it's just not, and, it, and not to shit on anyone, but then those are not areas of strength uh, amongst most spiritual communities. They're areas of, suppression hiding inadequacy that you know they're just not developed those areas so that's my highest priority but i love being part of it is the field i love um working with that group of people it's yeah i don't it's like i don't know if i'll ever be done and i also doubt that i'll ever be like teaching dozens of ista trainings because it just doesn't one i get bored teaching the same stuff two you know, the financial return isn't, it's just like not like, you know, I could be making a hundred grand rather you know, or whatever. So those, those and three, which should be really number one is my own. I really, I go to ISTA to do my own work. And what I've loved about it is it's one of the few places where I feel I can do deep work and be contained. And two, I go to support, um, the deepening of that work in the world, because I do think it's incredibly valuable. Um, when I run ritual, wherever it is, I basically source people who've done this to level one and two, because I know they can come and play in a higher level magical reality than people who haven't. Like they've, they've had certain culture and mindsets and embodied skills installed so I could work with them, you know? So <clears throat> yeah, I love it. 
I feel like I'll always be plugged into that greater field, but my dance with how much I want to be involved with um, delivering or teaching is is always um, an interesting one because there's just, there's just other currents that run through me that are really strong that um, tend to win out, you know. But then I'll see some amazing training and, and I, with someone who's I'm like, fuck, I've got to be there. I'll be there, you know. So, yeah, we'll see how all that pans out. So with your view of Esteflak from the, the semi-inside, where do you see it needing some some improvement? What's the next phase look like for Este in your opinion, like from the information that you have? Look, I um, <clears throat> I already spoke on this on a podcast about this and it was, it was a little bit um, controversial. But I, I, so I will, I will speak in, in higher level terms. I think, I think Ista is going through kind of puberty at the moment is how I look at it, you know? And it, if we think of it as a living thing or if we think of it as an organization, you know, this is kind of organism versus organization type of debate in the, in the ISTA world, but I think that it's obviously both. Those, those are the same thing, in my opinion. Um, an organism is just a living organization, right? I think it's trying to find its way in a new era, yeah? And I think that requires um, certain shifts and changes, but I also, this is not so much my opinion of what will happen, but my I also hope it, it manages to keep its shamanic essence intact, you know? So there's this dance between we need to upgrade and reorganize a few pieces, but also if you become overly safety and meticulous you know if you become overly protection oriented then you will lose the magic of what of what this thing is so it it has a dance to to find its way through i think in terms of you know the trauma informed world quote unquote and the transformation oriented world in they can be seen to be quite at odds in the in the world, particularly particularly in social media, and particularly how people think and talk when they're invested more or in one of those ways of operating than the other. You know, highly transformational people tend to think more about just the power of change and can brush over um, sometimes sensitivities or the trauma narrative but because they're more focused on you know transpersonal themes and development of human beings as souls and whatnot and then on the other side the trauma informed model which is obviously gaining power in our world at the moment is very important and it's and like there's some there's some solid science that is amongst that but it also can produce people who are you know a little obsessed with sanitizing everything and making everything perfectly safe and you know can can lean it's really interesting because the the transformational model can can lean to being over over obsessed with sovereignty and can overlook the victim and then the trauma model can lean towards obsession with group dynamics, safety, doing everything the right way, sensitivity, and can become over-obsessed with the victim. And I think I think Ister is trying to figure its way through that at the moment. And 
I'm very curious about how that's going to going to work out. And I think, you know, look, it was interesting for me to I had a dose of this inside one of my own organisms, organizations inside the spiral. Like we we hit a lot of um, global values shifts and challenges in 2020 and 2021 when Black Lives Matter happened, when when a bunch of things happened. Um, they brought out other ripples that showed up in our container and we had to work through a lot of a lot of different political issues and identity type issues that as someone who'd been primarily coming from a personal development point of view, I'm I was a very individualistic transformation focused person who just couldn't understand initially why, especially in like 2016, 2017, why certain issues around diversity, inclusion, safety, sensitivity, etc., would keep coming up. And I'd be like, what are you guys talking about? Like, use the fucking tools, clear, clear, clear your shit, get on with it. You know, we're empowered beings. And then only after multiple repeat things did I start to be able to track, okay, this is actually a thing. Um, even though I don't necessarily relate to these concerns or I don't, necessarily agree where a certain person is coming from at some level we need to accommodate and integrate these needs and these values in this thing and you know ultimately it it was part and parcel of what led to me deciding to complete with that organism because i didn't really want to run um a healing modality that had to be particularly sensitive around all kinds of issues when you know i would do something silly slash hilarious like make a podcast called Tantra Made Me Gay and then I'd have all these complaints from like, you know, um, someone who's working with like the the Canadian LGBTQ community feels that Dane Thomas is not a safe person and the spiral is not safe. And I was like, oh, like that was actually a highly nuanced and caring conversation that we had. I just gave it a bit of a spicy title and then suddenly I'm in these kind of friction wars around what I consider political correctness, but what someone else might consider just being educated about certain issues. So I've, so I've tasted, I've, what I'm trying to say is I've tasted um, complex leadership dynamics, traversing, you know, changing territory in spiritual organizations before. And I think ISTA is journeying that right now. And, it's also interesting in that ISTA has a large, has had a largely decentralized organizational structure. So it can be, it's not simple to go, cool, management has decided we will now do this. Like it doesn't work like that. So that's also something that people outside of it maybe struggle with. But I also see people in ISTA doing a lot of work to put processes and pieces in place. So yeah, that's, there's a lot there, but I, I think it's going through a, a um, growing, uh, some challenges slash growth periods slash who knows what direction it's going to mutate into. Yeah, I think in many ways, the way that they had such a loose structure really allowed it to be able to flourish. They didn't have a, a specific hierarchy or a traditional model that allowed it to just really grow and flourish. And um, yeah. I think a lot of that had to to do with its extreme growth, like it had the ability to really just be able to pick up and blossom wherever there was an opportunity and it didn't require permission from anybody and it didn't require approval. And so, yeah, I see that. Yeah. And then 
I resonate with exactly what you're saying. I've sort of been seeing it secondhand through through Araminta's involvement. But yeah, there's definitely two polarities, the sort of uh, spiritual uh, transformational polarity and the trauma-informed, make sure that we know everything that's going to happen before before it takes place so that I can make an informed decision before I go into this container. And too much of one takes away from the other. Yeah. And I mean, do I even want to get into it? From a spiral dynamics perspective, you know, I don't know if anyone's familiar with spiral dynamics. It's a system that tracks emerging values in culture. And this, the sixth level of spiral dynamics, the green mean, which is really about equality, sensitivity, diversity, justice, is really getting louder in the whole world at the moment. This is across all kinds of different issues. And so that particular level of consciousness is all about the group, is all about belonging, is all about marginalized people, the most hurt people in a given category getting the loudest voice. It's all about um, de- deconstructing hierarchy. It's, you know, and so that, that pendulum is swinging hard in the world right now. And there are levels above it that were well, the ones I'm more interested in, to be honest, like high level systems and um, flow state sort of based thinking. And then beyond that, working with energetic fields and working with, with kind of the planet as one thing. But those levels, we're not in those as a culture. You know, we've been in the capitalist model for a couple hundred years. And now this kind of um, equality, sensitivity, social justice model is kind of in some ways wreaking havoc with many existing structures and ways of doing things. You know, it, like I'm, I've been on TikTok lately getting obsessed with the whole gender identity rabbit hole and just watching fucking just the endless battles between extremes of conservative we should really need to maintain masculine and feminine and whatever which i somewhat agree with and, and then depending on how far they take it don't agree with versus like gender's not even real you guys it's all made i'm like okay you guys this is a little too far and then there's like you know lesbians getting out of the queer movement because they're saying it's been hijacked by mentally ill people who want to identify as like fucking foxes and lizards and you know whatever and so basically but basically what's happening is um this is what jordan peterson talk is talking about when he goes on about the postmodernists and whatnot there is a different level of consciousness gaining power in the world at the moment and it is the level that seeks to um empower the disempowered and it is the level that is primarily oriented around people's sensitivities being recognized and that for better or worse is gaining power planetarily and every organization corporation group of people tribe communities can have to deal with that probably in different shapes and forms but but in some shape or form they will have to accommodate and learn to deal with that you know and so whether it's all that pronouns have to be present at the beginning of the conversation or whether it's, you know, is this workshop trauma informed or whether it's some other thing like inclusivity, diversity, etc., will be demanded and, and that will come in intelligent forms and that will also come in completely fucking toxic, like ego trip forms. And 
people who are leading different things we're going to have to learn a dip to dance with that stuff and it's super complicated in terms of the spiral like what's the way through from this particular level like what's the what's the, how do we penetrate this particular sort of cancel culture sensitivities that you're talking about yeah it's a, such a it's a really intelligent question and so this this level is called green as i've as i've kind of named it um the level above green is yellow and yellow is the first of the second tier um memes it's the first of the, the second tier value systems are different in that they can navigate all the other value systems so before that whatever value system you're in you think that's the right one if you're an achievement guy which is like orange you're like i fucking got what i work for i deserve it fuck off these are my results you know if you're green you're like oh my god that's your privilege talking you know you shouldn't even be speaking your whatever right uh -huh. <laughs> and everyone should have a voice so that's the healthy version of it. everyone should have a voice if you're yellow you start to be able to recognize actually all of these different value systems are relevant at different times depending on context so we might be we might be non-hierarchical but if you're like the fitness expert and there's eight of us want to get fit we're going to defer that gareth is going to lead this because he knows more he's got results let's just listen to him he can design the program we'll, let's just follow him but if it comes mm -hmm. to like i don't know rewiring the house with electricity you we're going to get the electrician guy to do that but we're not going to get you to do it because you're good at fitness right so we we have this intelligence of knowing when to when to have hierarchy not have hierarchy one thing that happens with this stuff with this green meme stuff is it gets stuck in fighting for consensus or pushing for consensus so like everyone has to have a voice we're all we're all sitting in a circle everyone gets to speak you know okay great but this is going to go forever and we're never going to get consensus um what happens in green meme cultures i have quite a few this is when the people come to me they usually they've been an say an artist activist type person who's lived in green for quite a few years and they're starting to get sick of it right they're starting to realize it has limits and it actually gets super toxic and then they start looking for other things um this happens this has already started to happen with like um well things like the me too movement right like it, it came in it was a super important thing to happen um but after a year or two we already could start to see the pattern of oh this thing is starting to get weaponized like just because someone says something is sexist or misogynist or whatever doesn't mean it necessarily is and now we have to start being more nuanced so the, the green meme itself will basically push people to being eventually being able to think in a more nuanced way largely because of its unfortunately largely because of its dysfunctions so people will try to put you know okay people have complained so we've installed an ethics board and we've got a safety officer and we've put fucking cushions in all the corners of the tables and we've you know we've got an emotional support animal and we've got this we've got that <laughs> it's like yeah they they still hate you they're still crying and eventually mm -hmm. this will cause like ah that's not the answer like this isn't fucking working um or 
some of this is working, but we need other things as well. We need other things as well. So I think it's a pretty crappy answer because the world hasn't really dealt with this properly yet. None of us have really evolved out of it. But basically, over oversaturation of a certain level, we'll, we'll get very acquainted with its pitfalls and it pushes us to somewhere else. But like the previous level was the orange meme, which is basically capitalism and science, right? It's the, it's the opportunity focused meme. I mean, also we don't grow out of them completely. We build on top, right? So it's not like as we move into this era of sensitivity, we throw away our iPhones and nobody makes a profit in their business and nobody wins at sport or anything like that anymore. It just becomes, right. yes, that's, we built that. And now we have to make sure that everyone is included and everyone is safe and everyone's sensitivities are addressed, you know, and, and everyone belongs. We build that and then eventually it becomes, yeah, but what else is there? Um, the yellow paradigm is, is essentially obsessed with information flow, flexibility of behavior and learning. So what happened for me during my spiral, the spiral Institute, as we, as we went through a green meme, social justice installation period. And I decided to the, basically the best way for me to serve that was to get out of the way was to not be the person in charge because I'm not that, even if I'm personally becoming more inclusive in this and that, I'm not that character in the organization. Like I made the thing, there's always going to be a power imbalance. As I sort of started to step out of that role, it was like my yellow opened up and my yellow was like, cool, you have infinite possibilities. What do you want to do? What drives you? You've got some money in the bank. You've got free time. You've, you're in a good place in your life. What would you like? And it's like the, the yellow frequency is like, well, I want to learn. I want to understand more things. I want to travel the world. I want to. So there is, there is a piece in there that is like, um, yeah, flexibility, flow, context. It's, it's a meta thinking model, right? So my, my fucking dream would be that after we cook in this for a little longer, we start to pop into a more sophisticated model. So say we're inside an organization, when the yellow starts to emerge, it can go through all the levels and go, see this thing we do here at the tribal level? That's really good. We should keep it. See this thing we do here at the traditional level with our structures and our rules? That's good. We should keep it. We should change this bit. See this capitalist part? We need a little bit. Turn that up a bit, a little bit more. Okay, see this green meme thing? It's gotten out of control. We need to bring it. So it, the, the yellow is almost able to fine tune the other levels like it's playing an instrument. You know, it starts to recognize we need all these fucking things. The reason this thing came in so aggressively is because we were lacking in it for, you know, hundreds of years you know it's like well the feminist mm -hmm. thing should have never happened it's like dude that was literally always going to happen like <laughs> there's a structure that's been there for you know hundreds of years that is imbalanced eventually it's going to get popped but it's going to maybe become overactive for a while where like you know if you're a cis white man you should shut up you know it's like okay is that are we going to stay <laughs> at this level like is that is that our end game or is that is that a pendulum swing that eventually we need to bring back into harmony and order. So yellow is the ability to, to look at all the levels together. Complicated answer. And then right what's, a, what's above the yellow? What's the, is there, I don't Tur know, the spiral. So turquoise is above yellow and turquoise is very fascinating to me. So turquoise, 
Incidentally, these levels alternate between self, group, self, group, self, group, self, group, the whole way. So that's why it's a spiral because the patterns repeat at new levels of complexity and sophistication, right? So Mm -hmm. yellow is once again individualistic, but it's individualism that includes inclusivity and it includes success and it includes tradition and it includes... So if we think of yellow as a high level systems way of navigating the world, and I don't just mean like computer systems, like, but just an ability to look at our behavior in a systems way, turquoise is more holistic. So it starts looking at the planet as one entity. It starts to um, deal rather than information flow in the yellow sense. It starts to deal with reality in in the sense of dealing with fields of energy so it can hold a lot more information. It, it has a sort of embodied connotation to it. Um, they're the main things that I understand about turquoise, which I feel I have a little bit of in my life, but I'm, I'm definitely not quite turquoise-centered, but I, I can work with it particularly in ritual spaces and you know the way I do business has an element of turquoise of like, yeah, I've got a business plan, but I'm also working with the field of energy of a group which – I don't need to know what every person is doing right now. I'm just I'm just holding an energetic field that they can all be inside, you know? So it's quite profound, you know, they and they, they reconcile things. It, yeah, but it also has a global awareness. So they talk about turquoise first appeared on the planet in any real amount when we after we went to the moon because we had this almost experience of human consciousness stepping out of the planet and seeing the planet as one thing be like ah oh, you know how can you be racist if you've been to the moon you can say oh we all live we're all from the same place what are you talking about like perspective right yeah 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 so if we don't all get cancelled and we don't all die we might make it to the into these levels in our lifetime that'd be cool amen when we when we last had our conversation you shared some really beautiful stuff around the journey that you had with your friends passing last year mm. can you yeah for those that uh, didn't quite get it at the beginning dan and i recorded an hour and 20 minutes of a podcast before it completely disconnected and so this is the second take and yeah i just want to get a sense of what what came from that for you what were some of the the challenges of re- seeing our mortality in such a close way like because i don't i don't have that reference point in my world yet like i'm intellectually i understand we're all going to go everybody i know at some point is going to die and it's been sort of distant family like a friend from yeah. school and grandparents and so this i still realize i haven't got that reference point that you were so good at describing in the last call ah yeah probably my closest male friend or one of my very closest male friends just uh passed at the beginning of 2020 still in circumstances that are not entirely clear very weird circumstances but and actually where i'm living now on this river where he was living was just further up right at the end of this river so i'm back in that that area and yeah it led to a lot of changes in my life it led and it, it started firstly with just shitty grief and pain like that was just it was a tough i'd say a tough few months i'd say i reckon it was two or three months 
And it was also the same exact time COVID hit here and we had, we did our first lockdown around. So I lost my primary coping me- mechanisms of I go to the cafe where I journal my feelings and then I go to the gym where I kind of transmute my feelings into something else. That was, I had a good groove going around that time. And it was like, yeah, you can't go to those places. So it's like, okay, my friend just died. I can't go to the places that I go to every day. I don't have a home gym and the supply chains are, not working so i'm ordering all this stuff online ends up coming like four months later or whatever so i fucking did a lot of moping around like i just hardcore we got a projector i watched a lot of movies i drank a lot of boutique beer i got an appetite for you know and just ate i I just went into like i can do whatever i want because my life sucks and i deserve to just fucking you know have my coping mechanisms so I stayed up late and watched movies and drunk beer and was pretty mopey. Um, and kind of life went on with this heavy fucking thing there. I remember doing sales calls, crying in the bar, you know, day after. I was like, well, there's no point canceling everything. Like, what's it going to fucking, what am I just going to sit here? I'm not going to. So I just sat there and cried and then made a call, closed the deal. Okay, I'm going to hang out in the room and cry some more. Next one. It was like, you know, I didn't really know how to deal with it. Anyway, it really was a deep medicine in a way. And I don't mean this to trivialize this, the sucky part. Like on a, just a basic level, it really sucked, particularly at, for, at first. And then I started to try to work with it. And I don't, I'm not, don't want to portray this as I did this gracefully or whatever. Like when I could, sometimes in some moments, I would do a bit of movement. I would do feel into it. I would try to really be with the pain. And it really brought a reality to my spiritual practices and beliefs was one of the things that happened over, over several months. Like, because For, for one, I was getting annoyed with how a lot of my spiritual community was dealing with COVID. You know, there was a lot of um, unrealistic and immature stuff was revealed around. It's not even real. So, you know, we're not even going to do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? You didn't cancel that event. Like, it doesn't matter what you believe in. This, this thing is happening. And it's like, oh, we're just going to, we're just going to like, it'll be fine. And so I got friends flying in some event and, and they're all like, what's happening? I'm like, I think they're still running it. And they cancel it like the day before or whatever. So there was this whole thing going on and it was, it was, it was strange for me because I could track there's something, there's something off in the spiritual community, even though I love these people and the death moving through me started to really open up this inquiry around like, okay, it's like the universe going, okay, motherfucker, what do you really believe? You know? Cause I'm like, where is this? He's, this guy's dead. He, I fucking can't believe that he is dead. And I could see my mind starting to sort of throw up bits, bits and pieces, scraps of different religions that I might have half believed. They're like, okay, well, maybe he's here. Maybe this has happened. I'm like, the deepest part of me was like, you have to admit you don't fucking know. You don't, this is beyond, you know, you're so talented and clever and you can manifest your life and shape what you want. Here's something, the hugest thing, and, and I have no control over it. It's almost like, you know, if you go out surfing or swimming and you just get smacked by a huge wave, it's like Mother Nature's, it's like, yeah, 
just remember you're really small and I'm really big and you're not in charge here. That's that's what it was like an ego slap of this though. It was like, oh, yeah, you're, you're a wizard, Harry. You can create whatever you want, but just remember there are certain laws of this dimension that are, that are outside your control. And I really went through gradually a lot of my assumptions about life and was like, I need to drop more of the, I can't, I can't be walking through life thinking like I know all this stuff. Like that's the height of arrogance, you know, and particularly in spiritual commitment. Well, you know, in Buddhism, this happens or in shamanism, this is, it's just like, look, a lot of that is a bunch of borrowed shit that you've taken into your mind to help you deal with the fact that we're all going to fucking die, you know? And it's like that, that, really exposed which is not me really like i still value all these different traditions and teachings and so much amazing stuff but i started thinking how much of human culture is designed just to avoid the inevitable realization of death you know from from heaven to junk food <laughs> to this to this to the mindless scroll you know a lot of it it serves to hide from pain and make us not have to deal with the depth of that realization. And I just decided gradually to not, I'm not going to do that. I think it's cheating. You know, I think it's, and you're going to have to deal with it anyway. Each, each, and this was, so after the first wave of like, Oh, my really dear brother who I thought I would be hanging out with for another 30 or 40 years is, is gone. That was really hard for my mind to like grasp. And it was particularly hard because it was like, no, this isn't this isn't the right script. This is the wrong you've this is the wrong character in the story. Like that dude was meant to be a main character in my life for a lot longer. Like it doesn't doesn't compute. If someone I only a bit know would have died, that would be more okay because they're not a main character. I only care about them a little bit, you know, versus like, fuck, not that person. I need that person for this for this story to go on, you know? Um once that moved through I remember getting this really dark realization of like, yeah, you know, everyone else is going too, right? Like, you know, your wife, your other best mate, your parents, obviously, likely before that, you know, parents. And it's just like, oh, fuck, this isn't, unless I die first, I'm going to have to deal with this a lot more times. Again and, and again I, and again, yeah. And I was like this second wave of like, oh, that's gross, you know, but like you said, Obviously, I was aware of that my whole life on an intellectual level. People are going to die. But to experience it and then experience a second thought of like, yeah, like this could – and not only other people are going to die, this could happen to anyone at any time. And I just remember feeling sick of this. Like, fuck, and for a while, you know, like I'd be at breakfast and Mia's jumping in their car to go to an appointment. I'd be like, hey, be, be careful. And she'd just be like, look at me like, oh. And I'm like, fuck, that's not – I've never had that vibe. Like it was just in me of like, fuck, anyone could go, you know, like this is really terrifying and, and really actually started to hit me deeper in the heart of like, you you know, you better love people or like the people that you do love, feel it, work with, be in it, like live it, you know, you you can't be an absent minded, like, Oh yeah, I fucking, care about you are oh, you dead oops didn't forget to tell you like you know mm-hmm. that really went through 
and I think the, the other big thing, you know, I'll wrap with this thing is like, it really gave me a higher degree of ruthlessness around purpose. It's like there's certain shit that I'm here to do. And, you know, like I coach people who was scared to fucking post a video on the internet, you know, and it's like, that's not people looking at you is not the risk here, you know, or to look back to, oh, getting canceled. So what? Some people are going to talk about you mean in a group. Is that what you mean? Is that what it is? They're not going to kill you. They're probably not going to put you in jail. So that they're, they're the, the, re, the real cancellation is death, right? Let's expand the real cancellation is death. Okay, that's the big one. All right. Are they going to cancel, cancel me? No, they're not going to cancel you. I'm going to cancel you to death. Okay, cool. Am I going to go to jail? You're not going to go to jail. Am I going to even lose my social media accounts? Probably not. There's fucking all kinds of fucked up people still doing their thing online and it's not an issue. Okay, so what does it mean? It means criticism. It means challenge. It means people trying to fuck with you. It's like, well, okay, is that it? Like, that's that's small, you know? That's very small. And that that moved through me. Also, the idea of like, oh, the, another big risk is saying yes to shit and going down a whole path of working on things and doing things that isn't really the most highest truth of purpose. That's mm-hmm. from a from a from a you know from a taking mortality. I'm not sitting here thinking like this every minute of every day, but to taking mortality into the equation, time becomes precious, and. You know, I, I remember going through like, what are the things that I, if I was to die at the end of the year, I'd be sad. I'd sad I didn't do it. It's like you didn't make any music. You said you wanted to do that. That really brought my creative timeline forward. It's like I've got a EP coming out. It's literally getting mixed and mastered right now. It took ages, but the death thing definitely helped me do that because it's like, oh, I can imagine dying, and it's it's not going to be. I've never had the love of a good woman. I've had that. I've never made money. You've made money. You've never won a fight. You've won a fight. You've done these certain things, but did you create cool stuff that's going to, you didn't. You fucking wasted it. It's like, oh, I wanted to make music, you know? Um, so it put, it basically, like a big sword came through my life and it, and it really taught me a lot about perspective and what I value. And I think, I think I've been, a little deeper since then. I think it brought a little bit more depth into my life. You know, it's we're coming to three years now and it's like, okay, things got more real, got more deep. And also I got less afraid of these small these small things like yeah, like criticism. That's can't be a real barrier to doing what we want to do in life. It's it's really not a big deal. It's it's it it presents as a big deal, you know, it presents as a big deal because it triggers latent trauma and survival patterning i don't want to be thrown out of the group why don't you want to be thrown out of the group because in the old school of the tribal structure you're thrown out of the group you fucking die in this world you could probably find another group it's not even that bad there's billions of fucking people you know mm-hmm. but it, but, yeah, but the yeah. nervous system doesn't know that the nervous system is like exile equals death and it's like you know that was a facebook group it's not even a real tribe of people it's just some bullshit that you might not even be into in eight years from now. So I think perspective is really great. That's, you know, I, this is very double-edged. I wish that everyone would get a taste of the impermanence um, 
that might serve them. I don't, I don't wish death on anyone's friends. It's not very nice. Um, but I, but I wish for people to acquire that taste of impermanence sooner rather than later because I actually now feel like, um, I would rather have gone through this at the start of my forties than the first time be like 60 and be like, Oh, you got this old and you didn't fucking realize like that's. Yeah. The practice of meditating on death is such a, is such a strong one. And it's not something that we're taught to do. We completely push it out. We don't even think about it. It's something that's going to happen when we're a hundred and everyone will die peacefully in their sleep. And that's not actually true. And sitting with the impermanence of life makes every moment precious if you can bring awareness to that. And um, how's your dad? Yeah, he's, he's all right. You know, he's, um, my dad has had a journey with cancer. Um, he got through a round of all the, all the things, the chemo and the radiotherapy and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. He's not going to be, going to be the, the guy who's going to like, juice cleanse and meditate to try and fix it you know he's like a okay. older working class stoic northern english old dude um mm. he has similarly been softened by this by death you know by the by the touch and the proximity of potential death he's a lot gentler and more 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 overtly loving you know it's not really his roots and how he grew up is not you know i didn't grow up with a dad who's like i love you son that's not you know i used to to think it was gay this is growing up i used to think it was gay if dads were like affectionate with their sons i was like oh that's fucking wow it's so funny (laughs) you know i was just like what your dad kissed you on the cheek that's just fucking weird you know and it's uh-huh. I'm laughing at it now, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. But it's been very sweet to see him um, soften, and even though it's it's hard as well, you know, it's hard. Like he is, like he still has cancer. It's less. I don't know. I don't know what the technical situation is, but it's he's he's able to function now. He couldn't eat when it was first happening. He's all right. Mm-hmm. He's lost a lot of weight. He's very, a lot smaller of a guy than he was. He's quite, you know, looks a bit more frail. Um, he calls me all the time, which is very counter to the last <laughs> previous 40, 40 something years. Um, yeah, he's okay. And it's, that's it. You know, and it was the, the, I can feel like the James. My, my my friend, you know, that death, which was very unexpected and felt very unfair, um, softened me up because when this happened, obviously I was really sad and it was very heavy for me, but I could feel it's like a layer of resistance to death had already been taken. Like it wasn't like, oh, that's fine. It, was, it hurt, but it was like, oh, I'm – I – felt the wave of it and I was like I instantly know that I'll be able to cope with this you know um I'll be you know it's still gonna hurt but it there's this sense of like oh this is that thing again and it and it can it can pass through you you know it, it can be a thing 
that passes through you and that's it's like okay um you know and i imagine being old old i you know and, and maybe it's not the same but i feel like i have worked with it and i don't you know i don't want to fucking tempt anything horrible like I'm, i can feel about me like dane don't be making boastful spiritual hubris comments I know that I will be working with this energy for the rest of my life, you know, like, mm. and, and it is, yeah, there's, it's sensitive, you know, even with my friend, like we talked about the benefits of it. I still miss him. Like I still miss my friend. Yeah. Um, and yeah, even when my dad goes, that's gonna, it's gonna hurt. But, I, th- I think we're, I think as a family, even we're all just vibrating into that thing. And, you know, he's like a stoic for probably for more than 10 years. He's been telling me how, well, one day I'll just get in a boat and I'll row out to sea. I'm not going to go to a home. I'll just, you know, take some whatever. And I'm like, what? That's, you can't do That's not a realistic plan. It's like, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm like, and, and like, it's like, okay, all right. That's, that's the humor slash. I think he kind of means it, but I'm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Okay. That's, you've made your point. That's clear. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, thanks for sharing that. It's uh, yeah. There's tenderness around it. Yeah. Before yeah, we, fun. before we go, there's two things I'd like to ask you. One of them would be to share what you're doing inside the esoteric entrepreneur Academy but through the lens of perhaps some sort of interview, like I feel like it might be the type of thing that I perhaps could slash should consider. And yeah, it might be an opportunity for me to to have the conversation that I would have with you anyway, while at the same time, give you the opportunity to share what this program is about for those that might be a good fit for it. Love it. Very meta. <laughs> um, let, let me give you the, this the short spiel and then i'll ask you a couple you mean me ask you some questions or did you mean you ask me some questions sure yeah yeah no, you ask i mean if i if i get stuck i'll ask you but i'd like you to hear more or less about what it's about and give you the opportunity cool. to to see where that'd be a fit so the premise behind that even the language esoteric entrepreneur is really about the meeting of spirituality and business you know they're my they're my two longest term passions as I've mentioned, and I've spent a lot of time helping quote unquote spiritual people, which is broad, it can mean embodied people, can mean people with a higher purpose, it can mean people working in a specific spiritual niche. It doesn't really matter. It's just collectively anyone who is in some way working with spirit or a more inspired form of leadership who wants to be successful. You know, this is my filter of like people that actually have some ambition they want to lead a movement they want to have an impact they want to have a financial benefit from what they're doing and they want to treat that as part of the spiritual path so my experience has been when we bring these two things together uh the esoteric and the entrepreneurial they start to serve each other you know um the inner work and we talk a lot about magic but let's just let's just for now call it in inner work starts to fuel the entrepreneurial journey the more stuff we deal with the more we integrate the more we align the easier it becomes to get external world results on the other hand you know the mastering of the the numerous skills that are needed for 
even a good basic small business of marketing, selling, organizing, planning, action taking, leadership, communication, you know, all, all those pieces also can be used to to ripen the person you know it's not i'm not just learning leadership to get my team to do what i want them to do i'm learning leadership to become a better human being and to become more deeply aligned with who i really am so there's this trade where by pulling these two things close together we get to grow in both of them so really i built it for anyone who has a spiritual mission that they want to enact through a business-like or entrepreneurial endeavor. You know, so if you're building a charity, it's not for you, but if you're building a movement that has a business element to it, it's it's for you. And so just the way we do it, <clears throat> I have built a faculty of teachers at, at wrapped around myself and the curriculum, and it's based on three pillars. The pillars are money, mastery, and magic. Money is how to make it, how to manage it, how to keep it, how to multiply it. Um, mastery is about navigating the higher level skills and the, the more holistic skills it takes to be a successful human as, as well, you know, and a, and a leader. And magic is both personal development type and inner work, but also ritual-based work. So we do in addition to having lessons on marketing and planning and doing and challenges that get things happening, we also do sex magic every Sunday, which is not the typical thing to do in a business mastermind, obviously, but we do a, uh, yeah. a sex magic ritual on Sundays called church. And so the system of it is we get clear on our intentions, we take focus action, but we also charge that up with ritual, energetics, emotion, the unconscious mind as well and it, it tends to make things happen a lot more smoothly so that's basically what it is and how it works um do you have any questions about that gareth no i've been watching it unfold i haven't yet checked out one of the esoteric entrepreneur podcasts and the reason i framed the question this way was specifically because yeah i feel like i i am a little stuck in in my current creation with regards to the mm. flow of specifically financial results into my world um yeah yeah and um yeah perhaps this is your interview process to ask me some of the questions whether you feel like it, it could be a fit because I, I have been thinking about it since you started it we touched mm. on it in the conversation that didn't make it through because um of the laptop crash but yeah I, I wanted to get a little bit more information about it and see how it you know how it could resonate and support the next phase of what i'm creating yeah um I mean, if I start asking you questions, they're going to be like personal and involve finances and stuff like that. Do you, do you want that on your podcast? It's a bit. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I'm happy with um, that. Yeah. Where are you at in your business right now? What's what's working? Where are you at revenue-wise? What's How would you assess the current reality? I would say stuck. I would say I have gone ahead and built the team and the content and the offer without it being proven and built a, yeah, I think I've got the structures in place having built a business before. At the moment, I have a business that has higher costs every month than I have revenue coming in. So yeah. the actual numbers are, I have offers that have 
I've put out into the world that haven't been received. And yeah, I'm at a place where my revenue is pretty low. It's like, you know, a couple of grand a month where I've yeah. got overheads of three to five grand a month. And so okay. that's sort of where I'm at at the moment. And yeah, trying to find a way to penetrate that and just realize where the block is. I mean, I, I, I'm taking responsibility that has something to do with me, most of it, everything to do with me. And yeah, wanting to, to see how this could perhaps be penetrated through going to a container with you. Mm. Where, so, would, yeah, you, where would you like is, it to be? No. If, we, if we magic wandered it, in it and it's next year and you're like, oh, we crushed it. It was a good year. I'm really proud of where we got to. What, how would that look? 120 grand would be would be a great result, especially coming yeah. from where I am at the moment. Um, yeah, I have bigger dreams than that and I, I see the market that I'm in and I I know my own ability to be able to do it would be would be more than that. But I think in that bar setting, I mean even a hundred grand would be would be decent. Yeah. So 10 K months as a benchmark would be where we're trying to get things to to get things moving. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Because I realize um, as well that also that also gets my nervous system to relax, knowing that I've got like three to five grand a month of overhead. I've now got five grand of profit. So that changes everything. So like a ten grand month would be a very solid start for me. Yeah. Um, who is your current target audience? Men, thirty-five to forty-five. Um, the version of me that was stuck in the world that I was in before I walked this path, and the, they probably hear it all the time. Like the the ability to be a healer inherently has the wounded healer as part of that journey. Like the part of me that was looping in addiction, unaware of how I was creating my reality. Um, sort of stuck in the matrix. Um, so that that version of me is uh, my ideal client, specifically men. Cool. And what are the main offerings that you have to serve these guys? We have a foundational program called Core Scaffolding, which is a baseline understanding of getting clear and creating a solid environment, recognizing that we are a product of our environment. So it has to do with getting clear on the plan and direction that you want for your life, recognizing that your life is made up of various different areas, recognizing that some of those, as you said, will be more aligned and you'll be crushing it in some areas where you might be short in others and having a way to be able to navigate that by creating the right environment through practices like understanding how thoughts become things like basic magic, um, understanding how you set up specific things like your day, like your uh, engagements that you have with partners, um, understanding the flow of energy through practices like self-pleasure, a basic one-on-one -on -one to get clear on where it is that you're going and the support to be able to get there. Um, cool. It has three real elements, and those are sort of internal, external. The, the environment is the external. The internal is really a, a deep dive into, not a deep dive, but basically a, an initial dive into understanding um, the inner family tool, the inner kingdom is what we call it, so recognizing what those are and where we self-sabotage with that. And then the third piece is the container in which that gets supported. So the offer includes a six-week training program where people are actually supported by other men to hold space in a circle to say, this is where I am, this is where I'm stuck. And I've built it that way because that's really how it supported me, like being in circles, you and I were in a men's retreat together. A lot of that healing and the, the, the journey of the work 
is as much hearing what other people are stuck with as it is, you know, me trying to do my own thing to solve it. So that's sort of the basis of the core scaffolding program. It's a $1,200 offer and it's a six week program and we're starting it in March. We do it every single year. Um, last year we did it with eight people. Our goal is to have 20 this year. So that's sort of the, the medium term goal with where we are at the moment. Cool. Yeah. So there's a few pieces <clears throat> I'm just tracking kind of mentally slash energetically. And I guess, I guess where I'd be looking at in, this is all in the external, like obviously there's a whole bunch of internal work that is, that is also valuable, but I would be curious about the, the message to market fit, you know, it's, I, I, would not be just intuitively worried. I feel like the quality of the delivery is probably very high. I would be more curious about how how accurate is the way you language to the people's needs of who would want this. You know, that's what I'm curious about. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I'd be looking at. Um, yeah, so we start to kind of, some of the things we work with, we do a lot of, we, we just roll out a bunch of year planning stuff, you know, what, how do we design the business plan is inside our own body? How do we structure the year so that we have the right packages and the right order at the right prices? And then the next piece mm-hmm. we're about to move into is how do we unpack the message so that it resonates with the people that we actually want? And I think just, this is a, just a gut feeling is like, that's where I would, probably start with you and the sorts of pieces I would get you to work through would be around unpacking who your avatar is and then talking to them and asking them a bunch. We'd give you a bunch of questions to ask them to unpack, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's, it's like this, the dance we're doing is we want to bring through something that is true to us. So this is the thing I did this fucking potatoes thing with my hands. There's, there's, there's me and there's I, and this is what I want to bring to the world. This is what feels alive for me. These are my gifts. These are my learnings of the last sort of five or 10 years, whatever. And then there's, yes, I feel that part's clear for me. That part yeah. feels strong. Right. And then there's person. They're moving through the world. They have their own value system. They have their own languaging around their fears, frustrations, hopes, desires and for them to catch a whiff of your thing it has to come to them in the right language the right frequency on the right channel and platform with the right amount of regularity for that to start to build trust education connection to be like ah this guy's and and the messaging needs to be able to talk to that person's journey in a way that they relate to it um, mm-hmm. which we are not as humans, we're not great at this naturally because it's, we have to construct the other and speak as though we're the other. And what, what I instinctively want to do is tell you, my thing is good. You should do it because X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's what you want. I don't know what questions are sitting in your head right now, you know? And so what I need to do is unpack those questions and answer those questions. And so that's, you know, there's many things, but, but really if we want 120 K a year, basically we want some offerings tick. You have some offerings, um, <laughs> you know, and then we want to sell the offerings and that's a mixture of right. marketing and sales. Marketing is messaging and then selling is converting people who respond to that message 
Um, would you, if you were to rank those two, um, which would you say is weaker? So we basically put it in bare terms, lead generation, lead conversion. So ability to get people interested, ability to convert interested people into sales. How would you rank each of those out of 10? Uh, because I haven't closed that many, I would say lead generation is low, very low, like one or two. I need more leads. I think when I have more leads, my ability to close would be better because I know that I can connect with somebody. So I would say it's, it needs to go in that order. And But because I don't have enough leads, I actually don't know how good I am at closing yet. The people that have trained with me before have had a longstanding relationship with me and I've, I've met them in person. So I think the lead generation and the messaging that leads to generating a lead need some polishing for sure. And yeah. yeah. And then I feel like I'd be able to close if I could have 10 sales calls a day, I'd be in a very different place to where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. So I think that's, I mean, that's probably where to start regardless. Yeah. So and for I clarity, think- there's going to be that type of um, training. How, how does that f- unfold into yeah, my so- world as I join your program? Like, is it, so the way it's built, we have an online portal that has all, all the all the good trainings I've done in the last year and a half. So this, I started from there. So we have Magic of Marketing and Shamanic Sales Mastery, uh, both available in the portal. But also, um, we're running new stuff all the time as well. And we're doing, okay. I do something called Business Satsang, which is basically... You can come on and ask questions live. You can throw questions in the group. We answer questions directly. So there's structured trainings on how to message, create content, be prolific, zone in on your target audience's needs and language. That's in Magic of Marketing. Shamanic Sales Mastery is more about how to structure conversations to convert and to close deals and and to that kind of stuff. So between those two, that's your attraction and conversion uh but there there's going to be some fun like content creation challenges where cool i have jade my tech witch runs there who who is the leader of tech witch school she comes in once a month for a tech witch call we just did an instagram one we'll do a tiktok one next month so we'll be teaching technical skills we'll be answering specifics we'll be doing higher level planning structuring um, I might get someone to do how to write copy with um, chat GTP soon or whatever like that. But basically, a lot of the business end of stuff is how to structure message. And, and then we move into the more inner stuff around how to connect with that and, and kind of put energy into that as well. So that's a bit more the esoterics of it. But I think the, the starting point is yeah, getting content going out on all available channels that talks to the right people in the right way. So you're getting these little, hey, I'm just, just, I really like that thing you wrote. I have that problem. You know, that's my inboxes are, are never not full of those. It's like, okay. Right. Seems like you, that's why you're coming to me. Yeah. It's that's it, because of what, what I talk about brushes across the issues that I know my client base have, which whether it's, the confidence of putting things out there or whether it's issues around, you know, um, financial mindset or whether it's just knowing how to do it or whether it's not enough time in the day or whether it's building a team or whether it's, you know, I know that's the stack of issues that every 
creative spiritual entrepreneur that I have dealt with over the last five to 10 years has, has to deal with those and, and is probably at some point of their journey grappling with at least one of those right now. You know, when I do a post about overwhelm, it'll be just have fucking 50 shares on it, you know, and say, so, okay, so you guys are doing, okay, here's how you bust overwhelm. Okay, this is about um, your hiding, you know, the way you're showing up is you're half showing up, but you're half kind of not showing up, you know, why don't we get you? I feel like that's me. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, uh-huh. so we'll throw in things like here's a 20 prompts to help you share your actual story in a way that is relatable. Like this is, that's right. 20 videos you've just got there, you know, like it's, yeah, that's the kind of stuff we're playing with a lot. I love it, bro. I think to it's be great. continued. Yeah, I'll send you some some details after this because I think I've yeah I'm looking for someone to guide me in this path, and I feel like um, I resonate a lot with what you're doing, and I can feel you in your power with it, and you've got the results to prove it. And yeah, I think it's it's the next piece for me to yeah get clear on what I'm being called to do, and actually find a way to be received. I think that's where I'm feeling a bit of frustration at the moment. Like mm-hmm. I've put a lot of work in inverted commas in and put a lot of stuff out there, but not being received can be kind of painful. It's like, fuck man, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm either going to penetrate it and make it work or yeah, put it down as an experiment that I did for a couple of years. Cool. Could, could be on that bit where you're, um, Two two shovels away from gold, you know. It could be it could be that stage. Fuck, I've said that to my team so many times. We're like, we've got the snowball, and we're like, shit, we're probably quite close to the top, and we've actually got to this place where we have a real sort of we've called it a failure condition. I don't love the word, but like, I've been funding this project with crypto and the hope that you know the feminine will somehow just appear and people will love it and take it. And I've like. I've spent money on some coaches, but I haven't quite penetrated it. And I've got to a stage where we're like, if we at the end of this month don't make five grand, like we're going to have to fucking close this down or make a different decision. And so, yeah, there's this genuine sense of like, we need to do something here. And yeah, I feel like this conversation is timely because I feel like there's, there's something that I need to just shift. And I feel like it could come from being inside a container like the, like what you're holding. So, yeah. We've got some cool, cool, magical things happening that are half because people are doing the right actions and half because something just becomes more aligned as well. Mm-hmm. So, brother, I really appreciate you taking the time to hang. It's uh, good to get to the end of the conversation and not have it cut out halfway through. We made and, it. Um, we made it. Bro, I love you. Um, where can people get hold of you? What's the best place for people to connect with your work and your magic? Easiest places are Instagram, that's at dane.thomas. Thomas is T-O-M-A-S, there's no H in it. And also the EE podcast on Spotify, um, which is more like a, you know, a lot of my content going out is me like telling you what to do, do this, think about that, look at that. Podcast is sort of a reversal of that where I'm just more sharing my internal thought process along the journey of my esoteric entrepreneurial path. So it's, you know, it's a it's a it's a window into how I deal with things and what I'm thinking about and what's working, what I'm trying, and that sort of stuff. So, those are two really great places to start. We share everything on Insta, all our podcast episodes, and things like this. We share little highlights of them, um, and the EU podcast on Spotify or iTunes is people seem to be really enjoying that short episode. I do 15 minute episodes, so they're nice and short. You can snack on them, and um, you'll definitely learn some stuff about 
business, but also about the inner journey as well. Thank you, brother. I can't wait till we can uh, connect in person again and uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Gareth. Appreciate it. Much love, bro. Ciao. Thanks for spending some time with us today. We hope that you enjoyed the show. As men living in this world, we're called to lead in our families, organizations, and our own lives. Are you living as the type of leader that you would want to follow? What are your plans to develop and evolve your leadership? Welcome to Tribe by Father's Sons Brothers, a community of authentic leaders. Leadership books can teach strategies, but embodied leadership needs to be lived. The FSB Tribe provides practical tools, a supportive community and a safe place to evolve into the leader that you came here to be. Join the tribe and connect with an authentic group of men already embodying the change that we want to see in the world. If this sounds like a community that you want to be part of, go to fatherssonsbrothers.com forward slash tribe to find out more or check out the link in the show notes. See you next time.